This episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real is brought to you by CISO. CISO is on-demand, 24-7 streaming comedy anytime, anywhere. Curated for the comedy connoisseur. Visit CISO.com and CISO for yourself. Try it now for free. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing great. Another great week for It's The Real. It's always a great week. How could it not be a great week? Well, I'll tell you how this was an extra great week. MTV had their upfronts, and they shouted us out as a project that's heavily in development, and advertisers are really excited for it, and they showed a video with us. And yeah, it's a video. I, we are a project that they care about, which is nice to hear. It is very nice. So shouts to us. This is a very busy week. We've been doing a million projects, but it's nice to see that we have this this big presentation, and then we're a part of it. In addition, we did go down to Washington, D.C. for Passover. And Passover, I would say, is one of the less fun holidays. Like, it's not like a a holiday that you're just like, oh, man, it's Passover. Well, I I do look forward to seeing our cousins. There's some traditions that are are nice. Yeah, like it's Um, nice to see family or whatever. But, like, you know, the food is whatever. And not being able to eat bread... It's not, a bummer. Yeah, not the best. So the way the Passover works is that there's the adult table and then there's the kids table. And the kids table for many, many years has been generally the same. It's us, it's our cousins, and it's our like family friends. And there's one family friend who is – she lives in L.A., but she's been there basically every year for the last 25 years, let's say. And this year she shows up, she walks in, and she's smiling at us, and we give her a hug, and we say, how you doing, how you been? We see her boyfriend, and then we sit down for the Seder, and you look over, and something is not right. Her tooth is gone. Her One of her front teeth, one of her two front teeth is just not there, and there's zero explanation. There is one tooth, and there was just... A, a million different to, things running through my head. I was sitting right next to her. I had to take my glasses off because it was in too sharp focus. And I'm bad at like keeping a straight face. I don't understand why there was no explanation in the first place. We went through the entire Seder. We went through... The, you know, and this is everyone takes turns speaking. Yeah, it's so, like four hours of me staring at her empty mouth. Th- she was delicately like eating stuff during the dinner portion. She sat there and laughed at, at a things. certain point. And, we should have been like, yo, where's your tooth at? It was crazy. It was wild. And then after and we had to hold this in because it's not like we could say, say anything across the table or like, you know, give some sort of hint or anything. What, me and you? Yeah, or any of us. I should have pointed my mouth and been like. Everybody at the <laughs> table was just wondering what was going on besides her. Her and her boyfriend. How many teeth do you have? Or maybe her boyfriend did have a problem with it. I have no idea. It was just so strange. Yeah, I almost want to talk to him more than I want to talk to her about and it. And then at the end, once the door closed to the apartment and they had left, we ran up to our mom and our cousin and our cousin's fiance. And we're just like, what was that? Where has this tooth been? Where did it go? So many questions. So many questions. Um, I, 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 it's really only one question. <laughs> What's that? Where's the tooth? Where is your tooth? Hashtag, where is your tooth? Actually, second question. Follow up. Why is no one making a big deal about this? Meaning you. Actually, meaning so the, you, jo- uh, girl. Yeah, there's there's four questions. This is like all four. Yeah. Today's guest on A Waste of Time with It's The Real is Kamaya from Oakland. She's uh, a young up-and-coming rapper who has a great project called... A Good Night in the Ghetto. It is so good. It's, it's really... Like, it's it, all we've been listening to for a while. It's, it's G-Funk... It's melodic, great, great but samples. it's so, so good. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. It's honest. It's it's great storytelling. And it's so catchy. It's really cool. So Kamaya is our guest today. But before we get into that, 
Prince passed away at the end of last week, and we wanted to bring in someone who we've talked about before, Fafu, who will get his own episode at one point because his stories are just unbelievable. Yeah, he's like a Forrest Gump character. He's, like, he's, he's worked with Puffy. Yeah. He's worked with uh, French Montana. He listened to the Harry Fraud podcast to hear a great story about him first meeting French. And today we wanted to bring him in to talk about his personal experiences as a drum programmer for Prince up in Minneapolis. So let's get into that right now. All right. So I was living in Minneapolis. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, but I moved to Minneapolis when I was about 19 or something. I had a fake ID and I used to go to all the clubs and bars. I didn't drink or I didn't smoke back then. Um, used to go hang out and just, it's a, and you know, just hang out on the scene and just try to meet everybody and, and get into the music scene out there. And over time I became friends with his drummer, Michael Bland. Yeah. I mean, we were working on projects together. We were collaborating on things and at, in the, in the Prince band, they were at the time they were triggering a ton of samples. So he, Michael had a whole rig of drum loops and samples that he would trigger and, uh, it was amazing the way they did it. Like nowadays, people just have a laptop with, you know, Ableton Live or whatever. But back then, they were all two keyboard players were triggering horn samples and background vocals and guitar samples. And but the drum rig was like, in particular, you know, pretty involved. And Michael knew that I was I was making beats at the time and programming drums on stuff that we were working on. So he had me come out. His, oddly enough, his drum programmer, Dave moved on to be a video editor which is what i do now crazy so um something in the minneapolis water yeah there's definitely something in that water (laughs) but um but yeah so i came in and um they the way it worked was for the shows um they would take whatever drum loop or drum programming he had in the studio sample it loop it put it in this rig and he would trigger it with with a pedal or or with a pad and play along with it so there was there were like three new songs that they wanted to do so they had me come out they had all the samples for me and they showed me the rig and they told me how it worked and they were like but he wants he wants you to add a little something like you know make it make it like a remix he wants it to sound like a remix he being prince prince yeah which at the time he wasn't prince you know he had changed his name to the symbol symbol yes yeah so you know it was the boss or he or whatever <laughs> so yeah i came in programmed these three things and then you know the next and this would be after hours when they weren't after rehearsals or whatever and the next day they would come in and rehearse and they'd check out the stuff prince liked it and he's like i'll have him come back and work on these songs and then you know i probably did another round and then he was like okay cool have him come back and there were like 50 songs programmed into this whole rig he's like have him come back and remix everything <laughs> so so i came back and that and that was like i had a whole catalog of like samples and and things and whatnot um and i came in and i you know i was totally freelance at that point I came in and, and went through each song and added something here, added something there, added like sound effects and additional drums and percussion stuff. Dog barks. <laughs> yeah, no, actually I did add a frog ribbit <laughs> in one of the loops. Prince called it um, cricket. He's like, yo, add that cricket to this or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but it was a frog. It was like a ribbit. Um, and it was rhythmic. It was dope. So I would add different things and then I guess eventually... You know, and then he would have feedback. Cause it was a lot of tracks, and he didn't love everything. So, I don't remember how it all transpired. It's a long time ago, but I remember there was one time when 
I had to sit there with him. And this is the first time I really talked to Prince. I sat with him on the Paisley Park soundstage and went through each one of the beats and he gave me comments and, you know, and he was very, he's a perfectionist. Yeah. So it was, everything had to be perfect uh, and to his liking or whatever. And, you know, so, so that was like, that was the first time that was, you know, I was, I was young. I was like 19 years old, nerve wracking, <laughs> sitting there with like one of your idols and having to input drums into the, you know, into the thing in front of him and, you know. It was good. It was like boot camp. Did you speak the same language? We both spoke English. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, was I was there... super into like, you know, that music and hip hop. And so did any famous people ever come through Paisley Park? I mean, tons. Yeah. Like who? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody from like the Beastie Boys would be rehearsing there. Spike Lee came out to meet with Prince about the Girls 6 movie. Um you know, I mean, that place, it's a, it's a professional recording studio, too. So there's just always celebrities around. But I remember one one uh, guy that I met that was interesting was Dave Chappelle because he really wasn't like a household name yet at that point. But Prince must have had some recording of, a, of one of his shows or something and um, one of his sets. And they were sampling bits from him and using them as interludes during the show so it would be like these funny race jokes between songs in the set and uh yeah and so one time i was introduced to him and i was like oh you're the guy that did the did those skit those funny things or whatever and um and then you know a couple years later all of a sudden he's dave Chappelle and he's (laughs) huge did you guys see that video i posted on friday i didn't Um, see it i didn't see it on facebook there's a video that i'm in actually and it's a rap song it's called Days of Wild. I posted it on Facebook um, on Friday. At the time, he was doing, and you know, Prince did all different styles of music, um, from jazz to classical to rock to hip-hop to soul, you know, everything. Probably even some country stuff. Um, but at the time, he was rapping, and he was cursing like everybody was, you know what I mean? But that song in particular, like you'll hear it. It's like, motherfucker this, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but then I guess... Shortly after I would have, I left. I was there till '96, and I think soon after that he became a Jehovah's Witness. I believe. Mm -hmm. Do you think he became a Jehovah's Witness because you left? Because of me, yes, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. He was always very spiritual. You know, he always talked about God in his songs, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And then, so I don't know. I don't know what happened, but he got into it, and and you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses are the ones that walk around to. Yeah, they like, could knock on people's doors and stuff. Yeah. Somebody, I just read an article about somebody um, opening up the door on uh, Yom Kippur, and Prince was there with somebody else, and like they were like, hey, like we just want to tell you, you know, about, and they were like, um, well, we're Jewish, and uh, it's Yom Kippur, and please go away. <laughs> wow. And he was like, but can I, can I please like finish? And they were like, no. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard that he had done some of that. Yeah. Um, and I think, and at that point, at that time, then he stopped performing all of those songs that were really sexual and had. Wait, a lot what of Prince songs are really sexual? <laughs> I don't know. I heard there's there might be a couple. <laughs> um, and he, and he would change the lyrics to certain songs. I, I I there's some bootlegs of him doing Purple Rain where he makes it like this whole religious thing. Yeah. And I kind of I gotta say after that after I left Paisley Park, which I was there for probably a little over two years. Um, 
I kind of lost track of what he was up to. I'd hear those stories about the Jehovah's Witness stuff or whatever, and I knew he had Larry Graham playing bass with him and Maceo Parker, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I never saw any of those shows, and um, I don't. I wasn't really up on exactly what was going on with him at that time. But then later, which was probably four or five years ago, when he came into the Garden. Mm-hmm. I went to the show and he was performing all of those. I mean, not the dirty songs, but he was performing all the songs and, 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 and he definitely was not on some preachy shit. He was, he was on party mode and you know, it seemed like it was, he was definitely Prince again. What did, what did Prince mean to your career? I mean, he started my career really having those opportunities and I give all credit to Michael Bland for bringing me around. But that was my introduction to just professional music business stuff. I went to Japan with him, went to Europe with him around all around the States and just got to see like the, you know, the real shit and, and learn to do things on that high, high level, high quality control level. So it was kind of boot camp, and I was super young. I should, you know, I should probably should have been at college at the time, but I was in that college. I was, I learned from that. And then, and not only did it just teach me all that, my next big opportunity, which was with Bad Boy, came from that camp. There was um, a guy who had been a drum tech and then later moved on to be Prince's sound guy for years. His name was Scotty Pakulski. I think he changed his name, actually. But he recommended me for the Puffy gig, and you know I'm forever grateful to him as well. Like, And then as soon as I started working with Bad Boy and then eventually moved to New York because of that... You know, that's when my career really just, that's when, you know, everything kind of took off. So I would say that those experiences with Prince just like started everything for me. You move out to, to Minneapolis. Did you think it was only a matter of time before you ran into someone in that camp? It's a small town and you, everybody, everybody I know in Minneapolis has like, has Prince stories, you know, he'll, he'll show up. He, he goes out, you know, or he, he went out, he, he would he would go around and see artists perform all the time. And um, I didn't think about it that much, but I, it, it's inevitable, you know, especially being in music in Minneapolis and being into funk and, you know, black music or whatever. Like you're going to run into people that worked with him and probably him. Yeah. Know? I mean like that's what was so crazy about like the past week when people were like, Oh, he showed up at CVS four times. It's like, oh, of course people would know that if it's in a small town. Like in New York, you would never be like, you know, Eric went to CVS four times. <laughs> right. You had an amazing story that you did put up on Facebook. Yeah, that was amazing. You want me to yeah, please. run through it? Please. Um, yeah, it was it was 94. And it's funny because after I put up the post, a bunch of people reached out to me and they're like, I have a recording of that. So I got to actually <laughs> listen to it because I only remembered it from memory. And this is 20 years ago or whatever. Um so I've heard it now and I, I know like more about like how it played out. But um, but I knew the guy. So, OK, so it's 94. All-Star Weekend was in Minneapolis. Prince, of course, basketball fan, whatever. He throws this huge party in the studio and in, in the whole in the whole complex, which he had parties there all the time. And it was usually like on the sound stage he'd, 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 he'd perform or in the atrium he'd perform or whatever. This time it was like Studio A and B and the rehearsal room were open. You could go. And, you know, you could go into each room and there'd be an activity for you to do or whatever. And it was it was packed, but I'm sure it was all like basketball players and, you know, famous people, basically. And I didn't work there at the time. This was like probably the year before I started. But I was friends with Michael Bland. 
and uh, we were running around a lot and he knew I, you know, I always wanted to go to shows or whatever. So he invited me and somebody else to go. Um, so I was at the show. I had, I had met this guy at another studio that I worked at as an engineer. There was this, this like, you know, metal guy, but he had like a Prince symbol tattooed on his arm which I don't even think I realized until that night, but he, you know, he was like, that was, that was the early nineties or the mid nineties. So there was like still the eighties hair metal kind of hangover. <laughs> the people didn't realize that Nirvana came and <laughs> deaded that whole thing or whatever. So there was always like those metal guys around, but this dude walks in and it was, they were performing. It was at the end of the party. They were on the sound stage. They set up this big stage and different people performed I was in the crowd. I see this guy come through and he had this like, you know, beautiful stripper girlfriend, whatever. They walk up to the front of the stage. Somehow they made their way through the crowd and the dude walks up to the stage and he, he's like plays air guitar and he goes, (laughs) and I heard this from, from the drummer told me like what he had said. He said he, he mouthed the words, I can smoke you (laughs) or whatever. And Prince of course, like is, you know, He's that's the other thing about the the music scene. I mean, you know how hip hop is super competitive. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with that, like the funk scene or whatever. That it was always like a battle of the bands, or we're gonna smoke them, or we're gonna, you know. It was very competitive. So <laughs> Prince saw this guy and he was like, "Oh, word!" <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and his guitar tech name was Zeke, and he goes, "He goes, Zeke, get tattoo a guitar," <laughs> and um. <laughs> And so this night was like an all-star night, all-star lineup. I believe Salt and Pepper performed. I know Tevin Campbell performed. I don't remember who else. There were people DJing and stuff. But Soul Asylum had the huge, had their biggest hit, yeah. um, Runaway Train, at the time. And I think either they were supposed to perform or just Dave Perner, the singer, mm-hmm. was supposed to. Maybe he was going to sit in with them. I don't know what the deal is, but he was supposed to perform. They had it was, Maybe it was his guitar. They had a guitar set up for him and an amp and everything. So Zeke grabs that guitar and gives it to the guy. And the dude puts the guitar on. You know, he's ready. This is his moment. You know what I mean? And honestly, if he would have killed it, who knows? He could have been. Prince didn't have a second guitarist at the time. He could He could have. He could have. You know, his whole life could have changed. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so they hand him this guitar. And yeah, he's, he's like, he's, he says to Prince, he's like, what key are we in? And Prince is like, what? Like he doesn't say shit. He runs over to one of the keyboard players and he's like, "What key are we? What key are we?" Like he's he's starting to panic a little bit or whatever. And you hear on the recording, Prince is like, "We're in E, man. Come on, just play." (laughs) And uh, and then so he like he goes back to the center stage and he's like, "Oh, and 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 what I didn't remember when I wrote that story is Prince actually sang the song to this guy. It was like a Ray Charles song or whatever. And he's like, "See a motherfucker with tattoo." Say you want to play guitar with you and you know whatever and fucking um so so I guess it came time for him to 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 take a lead or whatever he's like Prince is like Tell, show us what you got or whatever and he goes to like you know go for the big like glory moment like I'm gonna bend this string and hold it out and sustain it and like make faces and you know the whole sort of guitar god that's who he was going for. And but the guitar was set up for Perner, which is like alt indie rock. You know, it's not a heavy metal sound that the amp is set to. There's no distortion pedal set up for him or anything. And it's kind of it wasn't a total clean tone, but it was like kind of just like a dirty 
bluesy tone or whatever. So he goes for this big note and like not a lot happens. <laughs> and he kind of looks around. He walks up to Prince has this huge pedal board and he just starts stomping on pedals, right? Nothing changes because he's not pro- plugged into Prince's amp. He's plugged into this other amp. And, and Prince is like, what, you don't like that guitar? <laughs> so Prince walks up to him as he's trying to, he's playing but it's not, it's like, he's kind of floundering or whatever. Prince walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder and, he's, and, and goes like this. And, uh, and, and so he hands Prince the guitar. Prince walks up and just like starts playing this like beautiful, like these blues licks and stuff and, and, and just rips off this like quick little thing. And then he, and then he, he takes the guitar and hands it back. He's like, and he sits on the mic. He's like, I just want to make sure it worked. <laughs> And everybody's laughing at this point. The dude's like floundering. And Prince starts calling him. Uh, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Bud Light on the guitar. <laughs> and, and then at the very end, I guess he let him play a little bit more. And at the very end, he's walking off. And Prince is like, something like, you're good. Good and awful. <laughs> that was hilarious. Ne- never saw that guy again. Did you? Who, Prince? <laughs> no, the other guy. What was your what was your day to day like when you were there for those couple of years going to Paisley Park? It was awesome. It was I mean, first of all, everybody that I worked with, shout to everyone at Paisley Park, the band and the crew and the engineers and the reception, everybody was just awesome people. Great community. So we rehearsed for like a year and then go out for a week and a half to do shows <laughs> or whatever. But we would rehearse from like noon till six or something and Sometimes I'd be in the rehearsals. Sometimes they would kick us out, you know, and I would hang out in the, in the, 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 I don't know what you call it, the tech room or whatever in the basement where all the instruments were. And there was always be drums and amps set up. And I would jam with the, the other crew guys or the band members whenever, you know, they weren't upstairs or whatever. Um, so I got hired to program these beats as time went on and the thing with prince was you know he didn't he wasn't super open to people but once you were around for a little while and he realized that you weren't gonna like geek out around him or you know be weird he started to trust you and bring you in and ask you to do things i fell into that position after a while and he would have me come into rehearsals and videotape them and stuff like that i would also because he would he would fire people a lot so yeah, um, so you said that like if people looked him in the eyes. Yeah, I mean, I mean not like exactly that, but like maybe, but kind of. Okay, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I remember one guitar tech came in and he was like, "Hey, I'm whatever Jake or something," and reached his <laughs> hand out, and that guy was gone like that day. You know what I mean? Like, and you know that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to introduce yourself to your employer, but that was just a whole different world. Yo, fuck Jake. Yeah, exactly. Whoever that guy was, I ended up, and I had worked in a studio before this, so. And, and, and so, yeah, the other thing is that we would never have a sound guy. He, Prince was never satisfied with the sound. So I was in charge of the electronic drums. There was, a, there was another drum tech that set up the drums, and then there were two keyboard techs. There was a bass tech and a guitar tech at various times because sometimes there was only like three or four of us. But we were all in charge of making sure our sound was in the mix. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a competition. And that didn't work, but um, <laughs> but I I was the only one that really had studio experience and mixing experience, and I had no live sound experience, and I still don't because that terrifies me. But mm-hmm. I knew a little something, so I ended up being like the sound guy and mixing the shows. And as he would fire these guitar techs for 
shaking his hand. <laughs> Somehow I ended up tuning his guitars <laughs> sometimes too. Yeah, so so I remember one time we were at Wembley's Wembley Arena in in London actually, and he had a guitar tech. He picked up his his hollow body or something and strummed it, and he was like, and and I didn't go by Fafu back then either. I was I hadn't really become myself yet, I guess. But uh, my name my real name is Mark, and he's like Mark. My guitar's out of tune, and I was like, I didn't tune it. <laughs> and he and he hands it to me. He's like, Can you hook me up? And I, so I had to tune his guitar in front of his guitar tech. <laughs> uh, Jesus, yeah. How'd you do? I mean, I, I there was a tuner there, so it <laughs> yeah. wasn't that tough. But um, you didn't get fired. No, I never got fired. I, I got fired when everybody got like he he basically let the whole band and crew go all at once after he got married the first time. Um, we went and did some shows in Hawaii that were kind of like honeymoon shows. And then he went on, I think he went on a honeymoon. I don't know. Um, and then they came back to the studio and basically let the entire band and crew and all the engineers and everybody, they just shut the whole thing down. How did he tell you? He didn't. So, you know, the production manager called every, it was one of those days when they call each person into the office and you start to, after a while you start to figure out like what's going on. Right. Yeah. And then I saw him like six months later. They called me in to help with something. I don't know. And yeah, and he was super cool, you know. Okay, so one of my big questions about Prince mm-hmm. um, over the years has been, does Prince own a t-shirt? Have you ever seen Prince in a t-shirt? No. <laughs> I never saw Prince in a t-shirt or jeans. Did you ever see Prince relaxed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's a different thing. Yeah, but like, what what was his sort of like relaxed wear? Oh no, dr- dress wise, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was always Prince. Like he was always in full makeup, in full high heels. He had he had on some, you know, he had a very strong smell. Like you could tell if he was at the studio or not because you could smell it. Did it smell like purple? I mean, it smelled like, yeah, I, mean, I don't know what purple smells like, but yeah, that, that, that lavender, I don't know. It's, yeah. He had a, whatever he wore, he definitely wore the same thing every day because everybody knew when he was around from the smell. Did you ever experience Prince working with any other artists like that would just come to the studio? He would jam with other artists. Like who? Well, when we would be on tour, well, here's another thing about Prince. He loves to play. He loved to play music live. That was like, like you know, that was like his fix or whatever, his addiction or what, just his drive. Like he, he just loved to play live. So we would go um, on tour and do shows, like you know, arena shows, and almost every single night, and sometimes on off nights when we weren't even doing a show, we would go into a small club and do a show at like four in the morning, and. um Anybody, I don't know if he would reach out to people or people catch wind that he was in town or whatever, but you know, like we would be in Dublin and Bono came out and sang with him or whatever. Shaka Khan would come and sing with him or, you know, so I saw him jam with people and sometimes it's funny. I can't even, well, I'm not even going to say who, but there was like a big hip hop producer at the time or R and B hip hop producer that would, was at, at Paisley park they were doing a show and he calls the dude up on stage and he's like, yeah, you know, sit in with us. Whatever. Dude couldn't play. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Did you have a new appreciation for Prince's music from working with him than before? Definitely. I mean, I already liked his music a lot. 
before I worked with him. And, and I knew about Prince even more so from being in Minneapolis. I, I guess I was probably in Minneapolis for one or two years before I entered that camp. And in that time period, talking to all the musicians around town, including the people in his band and people who were working with him, I kind of had an idea of what to expect from him musically. But seeing it live, you know, it was awesome. I, I would be sitting off the side of the stage next to this big refrigerator-sized rack that had all this equipment in it or whatever, and that was my job at first. And underneath the stage would be his guitar amps. So he, he, had a, he had a distorted guitar amp and a clean guitar amp, and his clean amp was facing me, and I could just hear all of his funk, like, right there in my face. And I, I mean... It was incredible. I mean, he, he's he's the most effortless guitar player and bass player and piano player. I mean, he was so good. I've it's ruined it for me because I came out to New York and like you know I worked with some great people here, um, but nobody nobody can play like that. Nobody can just effortlessly pick up anything and just make it sing. You know, I witnessed. There's an album that he did that he recorded totally live to dat tape just a stereo recording was him a drummer and a bass player basically like a Jimi hendrix kind of setup it was his power trio this rock trio that he had um that was kind of his side like he had his main thing that he was working on but at night they would rehearse this 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 power trio and i witnessed him record the whole thing he did it all in one take all in sequence didn't overdub anything didn't mix anything after the fact and it was just incredible. It's just like, I think he wanted to prove to the world that he was like the guitar god that we all know that he was. But I think that because he was a sex symbol pop star that had crazy hair or whatever, you know, you know, he probably thought he didn't get the credit he deserved. So he made this this record and he wanted to give it away free with Guitar Player Magazine, which is funny because nowadays everybody gives away music for free. Right. But Warner Brothers wouldn't let him do it. So, um, but it's incredible. I still, I found it later on online. Somebody found it for me. Um, I listened to, I still listen to that. Like I list, I was listening to that the day before he died. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Did you ever, did you ever run into Prince after you left Minneapolis? I did. I, I didn't talk to him, but, um, I went to the show at the garden, um, like four or five years ago. And, one of his keyboard players, Morris, was either still playing with him from that whole time or maybe he was back in the band. And Prince also, this goes back to what I said earlier about the the mix, Prince had him, his keyboard set up, set up in the crowd by the soundboard. So so after the show, he was out there and like greeting fans or whatever. So I went down and talked to him for a minute. And he was like, oh, you got to come to the after party. We're playing at Butter. So I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> so I went to the after show at Butter. They had moved all the tables out of the way and set up drums and set up instruments, and amps and stuff, and uh, hung out till 5 a.m. And they jammed and was like Janelle Monet and uh, who else was there? Um, what's her name? Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper was there. And uh, Questlove was there. And Questlove at one point, Questlove was just sitting on the side and at the very end of the night, Prince points over to him and like points to him to go to the drums. And he takes the bass from the bass player. And the two of them do this drums and bass thing. They, they jammed for like 10 minutes. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Later on the next day, I looked at Questlove's Twitter or whatever. And it turns out 
they were performing this song called like Colleen Bacon Skin or something. It was some jam that Prince had done with Morris Day. Because <laughs> one thing a lot, not, not a lot of people know is that a lot of the funk drums on early Prince records were Morris Day from Morris Day in the time. Whoa. He was a he's a dope drummer and he played a lot of the like really like funkier shit like this song tambourine mm-hmm. yeah and probably like most of the drums on the time stuff or whatever so it was some song that Questlove had heard on maybe a bootleg or something and he had said in an interview oh one of my favorite Prince songs is this song Colleen Bacon Skin or something like that I'm probably not getting it perfect but I guess Prince read that and was like come over here started playing it Questlove fell right into it or whatever. It's funny because Questlove at one point brought his phone out and he tried to tweet while he was playing and Prince looked at him like, motherfucker, you better put that fucking thing away. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, but but that was awesome to kind of see and 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 be in that scene again because I'd been away from it for so long and and like, you know, the music that they were playing at, the, at that party and everything was like, it was like being back at Paisley Park um, in that era and they were listening to all this like Graham Central Station and Sly Stone and like just dope shit. Is there any Prince era that speaks to you more than any other? I mean, his most famous era is the 80s. I really love the, 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 the few albums that he did right after Purple Rain. So he did Purple Rain and he wasn't really a huge star yet. And then the album came out and the movie came out and all of a sudden he was huge pop star and he went on tour and they were on this huge tour around the world or whatever. And I think if I, if I am correct that he, he, he stopped the tour halfway through and he's like, fuck this. I'm not doing, I'm not this guy. Like this is not my whole thing. And then he put us, puts out this album around the world in the day, which is basically like a psychedelic rock album. It sounds like Sgt. Pepper or, you know, that era Beatles stuff on some of the songs and, you know, he just went in a totally different direction. That album is incredible. And then the album after it, Parade, which also has its own sound. So Around the World in a Day, Parade, and Sign of the Times, which is the next album, the double album. Those are my favorite Prince albums, I think. And it's just like he was in this zone where he could do no wrong. And he was doing all these different styles together. And they all worked. And there was magic to it, you know. And then later he got into doing a bunch of hip-hop stuff, which is when I came around. And that was cool. But I I really think that 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 was my favorite era. Um, I was watching his first TV interview ever. I know it. And where uh, MTV, somebody asks him, people think that you sold out by doing Purple Rain to white audiences. What are your thoughts on that? And he goes, this ring costs a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) This ring costs a lot of money? He had a funny sense of humor. Yeah. One thing that to, uh, that I kind of wanted to bring up, I know that like the Prince heads are going to hate me for saying this, but in how I was describing how he, he his albums, were, like every album was different from the one before it. I think for the hip hop heads, since this is a podcast for hip hop mm-hmm. heads, generally yeah. right mm-hmm. there to your audience. And Prince heads. You know. <laughs> of course, of course. I think that, you know, to, to kind of relate it to somebody that's currently doing their thing, Kanye West and Prince have a lot of similarities. Every single album is a different direction. He was like, fuck corporate takeover of music. He was totally against that. Every album, he had a different look. He had a different style. The music was a different style. He was always challenging himself. He never wanted to repeat what he was doing before. He went, he went against the advice that people were trying, you know, would give him. And like, had a huge, fo- a huge sort of cult following, even in you know 
when there was there were probably there were tons of people that didn't like him as well but but he just he spoke to that that thing and that like you know as i watched like kanye sell out madison square garden to have an album release party like that's that's the kind of following that prince had and if you listen to the pablo album it's this mix of gospel and sexual and hypersexuality like that's prince all day now obviously totally different types of artists kanye no one's gonna say that kanye has a kind of musical talent that that prince had but as far as like being a visionary and having working your ass off and even going into debt to make sure you're out your art the art that you're creating is as dope as fuck Mm -hmm. and because that's all you care about and being so passionate about it and freaking out on people and you know what i mean like there's a lot of similarities there and if you go to 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 today like look i mean my album's only going to be on title well guess what prince my album's only going to be on title all of his shit is only on title right now Title made a shit ton of money on Pablo, and they made it. I'm sure in the last four days they made a shit ton of money on Prince, because yeah. that's the only place where people can stream his classic music. So, you know, I think it's really interesting the the, the parallels there. Now, I know a ton of Prince people that hate Kanye West, no. so they're gonna. So don't make that the headline. <laughs> Fafu compares Prince to Kanye. <laughs> Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming through. We look forward to when you come back for a full episode. We'll talk about all the puffy stuff, all awesome. the Prince stuff, all the everything, cool. and how, industry stuff, and how Kanye is exactly like Prince. That's so right. thank you for for telling that. Okay, that's the headline. <laughs> uh, rest in peace to Prince, and rest in peace to Bud Light. Yes. <laughs> So before we get into this episode with Kamaya, let's just take a second and ask this very important question. Have you ever logged into a streaming service and spent more time looking for something to watch than watching a show? Well, that will not happen with CISO. CISO is curated comedy for people like you, like me, and like Jeff. Yes, so CISO for yourself. CISO's got all 40 seasons of Saturday Night Live. It has the entire Monty Python library. All the kids in the hall, Parks and Rec, both versions of the office steve carell and ricky gervais yeah and hilarious brand new exclusive stand-up and series from people like upright citizens brigade cameron esposito dan Harmon, scott aukerman and jonah ray every, every single, single week. week now it's plus it's a hundred percent ad free and costs just 3.99 a month not even 3.99 a month? not even four dollars remember when you could go to the video store and you could walk down to the comedy section it's like that but better go to CISO.com and start watching all the comedy you can stream for free CISO's got all of NBC's late night shows the next day and new stand-up every day of the year plus original series from the funniest people on earth all for just 3.99 a month how much $3.99 a month all the best comedy in one place go to CISO.com that's S-E-E-S-O.com only $3.99 a month with no ads no joke no big whoop now before we get into this episode with Kamaya Jeff if people want to find more It's The Real where can they go you can go to SoundCloud.com slash A Waste Of Time you can also go to iTunes and search for A Waste Of Time with It's The Real we are It's The Real Hi. you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on you Facebook, are just I T S T H E R E A L. All one word, no apostrophes, no spaces. That's right. And we should probably start the episode when, you think? Probably now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, aka the Deer Hunter, aka Buck, Buck, Buck. 
Yo, what up, it's Jeff, aka Smoking Ghost, aka Inhaley Joel Osmond. It's Kamaya. Yeah, this is a waste of time, but this is the real. Bow, 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 Kamaya, what up? You don't understand how much we were looking forward to getting you here because your mixtape is. It's all we listen to. It's all. I promise yeah. you, it's all we listen to. Thank you. It's, yeah. It's so like refreshing and different, and a lot of people put us on to you early. Um, our friend Alex Chichamaro. Yeah. Our friend Ashley Kamenowitz. A lot of people. The writer like, Nas. What's that? The writer Nas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people were talking about you early. Mm-hmm. Megan Garvey. Yeah. Everybody. I love her. Yeah. She's yeah. A good yeah. Person. Totally. Yeah. And for us. It's you know we got a lot of a, a lot of established artists up here, but somebody who's like really about to pop off in a major way. Think so? It's such yeah. a pleasure to have Thank you, you here. Flatter. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the Upper West Side of New York. Thank you for having me. You oh, know, it's from our Oakland. So being here is like totally different. Yeah. Especially you guys is fucking driving. It's crazy. Well, do people drive here? <laughs> you guys, it's like it's like fuck you. I wish you would get in this lane type <laughs> driving. It's like that's not what I'm used to. I'll be like in a car with the driver, like no, no, and he like still do it i'm like i guess that's just the way they drive but you're not you're not behind the wheel out here no hell fuck no i would never <laughs> ever drive in new york that's just not something i'm trying to learn how to do have you taken public transportation here yes actually last time i was here we got on a train how was it it was an experience okay <laughs> did anything like weird happen no it's just like trying to understand the logic of take this train to that train then you get on this train and it may be a bus that take you to this place it's like whoa you know what's wild is that if you live here it all like makes sense it's yeah. weird and it crisscrosses mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like mismatching things but if you're here you get used to it and right. it just makes like, sense like you know that like you know the two goes to the f and then you take like you know yeah, yeah. see yeah. where i'm from we only have one train and the, they're like the bar the bar exactly yeah. and you know like okay we're going to dublin or this <laughs> is going to go all the way here and you know just to look for the stop yours is like no this going that direction this one go to that direction and that one may take you over there but you got to get on this one and make it to where you really want to go <laughs> but you made like, it <laughs> what the fuck it's confusing <laughs> so wait, so you're actually you're from oakland or are you yes. from outside okay so i was born in oakland where is oakland i know you went to uh hayward high school i got kicked out of oakland school district my freshman year like the second half What'd you well, do? I didn't technically get ticked out. What happened was it you was grew a, too big. <laughs> it was a situation where it was like an older person who was grown came up to the school and like fought me, and my family is like hell against us. So the school was like intimidated. Like either you take her out or we're going to kick her out. So we're going to give you an upper hand. Like if you want to take her out, so it's not on her record to move her to a different district. So one day you just that was it. Yeah, like it was like I say April my freshman year I moved to Hayward and ended up at Hayward High because of that. How old was this person who came down to your school? She was like 40. 18, 19. Oh, my God. No, you know, I was like 14, 15 years old when yeah. it happened. So my family like, yo, this my niece, my, you know what I'm saying? Like, where is this B word, et cetera, at? You know, and the school was like, you know what? It's just too much. Your family's calling us making threats. Like, it was crazy. And it was just going too far. And it was like, I'm just going to move to different schools. And I feel like me moving from there over there saved my life kind of because i was like going down a bad path like really in gangs and just crazy like just up to no good really like it helped me focus on my music and stuff that really mattered because i got back in touch with like people because you know my mom lived in hayward when i was a kid and i lived like there and then i moved back to oakland so when i went back like you know people in hayward never fucking moved ironically so now i go to high school over here and it's like the same fucking kids from elementary well let's let's start from the very beginning Mm -hmm. you have how many siblings I have two brothers. Older? Three. I don't like one, so... Okay, all right. Are they older? (laughs) Yes, I'm the youngest. Okay, you're the youngest. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that you were just, like, sort of left alone and... 
I feel like even like with my friends and my relatives, I've always been like the leader. So like people kind of like follow like what I do, even with my brothers. Like I'm the the strong one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I'm kind of like want to be like you, it's like I'm the dominant one. Right. So it's always been like that since I was a kid. And so you guys, did you all like hang out as kids? Like, is there a big age difference, or were you all no sort stair of- steps? I'm I'm 24. Yep. My oldest brother's 26, and my other brother's 25. So it's like nice. Steps. Why does everybody think that you're 21? By the way. It was a joke, you know, I started, <laughs> they're like, how old are you? I'm like, 20, I want to be 21 forever, so if I say I'm 20, because I'm talking about drinking, my birthday's in a couple months, so I just turned 21, yeah. yeah. That was my thing. <laughs> and then my manager's just like, no, yo, you got to fix this shit, like, you don't want to start off with no lies. I'm like, if I want to be 21, damn it, I could be 21. People lie about that age That's all right. the time in this yeah. damn industry. Shouts to Lil Wayne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then my manager's like, you really young, so you don't have to lie, you really young. I'm like, why can't I be, and I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'll, I told the truth, but it became such a thing that it's like everyone keeps reporting it. Like even Megan, I was like, "Yo, I'm not 21. I'm like I'm 24. <laughs> like, I'll change it right now." But it was already in, in an MTV interview, so they like 21 year old aspiring rapper <laughs> with her debut. Da, 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 da. I was like, "Yeah, by Fuck. 24 you're grizzled. <laughs> 21 you're like an ingenue." And then I actually seen one that said I was 19. Like, yo, how the fuck you go from 21 to 19? <laughs> you know what's wild, by the way. What? At what point do you not? Are you past being an aspiring rapper? Like you've been rapping, you're a rapper, right? I feel like it's just that the notoriety of you, like how long people actually know you, okay, and what do they know you for, and that's what they categorize you off of. So yeah, I think for us, it's taken us eight years to be aspiring. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just be SoundCloud rappers? Yeah, right. that's what we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we're on the come up. <laughs> that's right. So you're growing up. You're with your brothers. What's elementary school like? For me, elementary was like tumultuous because it's like I started with my mother and then I became a foster kid so it's like I was like bounced around like crazy I went to like minimally five fucking elementary schools like, really Jesus crazy well so how do you hold on to friends at that age exactly so it's like that's why like now like I have so many associates and friends because it's like I went to so many different schools and different places and things like that people remember me because I don't give a fuck where I go I make an impact so it's like I know people from different walks of life. I know people from this. I know this and that. And so it's like, I keep certain friends. Like, one of my best friends to date, I feel like, I told him, like, all the time, like, I feel like God just wanted us to be best friends forever. Like, he's actually my hype man on my um, South By performance. Dope. Because, like, we met because when my mom lived in Hayward, his cousin lived next door to us. So it was friends. Then I went to a foster home, and one of the schools I went to actually ended up going to it, and we linked up again like that. Then I moved away again back to Oakland after I got out of foster care. And when I went to Hayward High, he was going to Hayward High, and we've just been like this ever since. So, like, I think it was just meant for us to be friends forever. That's dope. So, when you're always like the new kid in class, like, you always have to like say like something like interesting about yourself or whatever. Or is that like a TV thing? I was never the new kid. I was I was in the new kid once. In, like, I feel like that's like an elementary kind of thing. Sometimes in certain aspects of school, it depends on when you start there. And that's the one thing I hated the most about like moving so much because it's like I get familiar with people, and then now I gotta get yanked away and go here. Yeah, it fucking sucked. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so. Did you move, like, multiple times within one year? Like, what, yeah, what was the most like, time you spent at one school? I feel like I was staying in places for, like, two, three months to not move. Because, like, with foster homes, you never really know how long they want the kid. Or if they feel like... Because with those people, it's, like, literally what they want or what you suit them for. Because everyone has their own ulterior motives to why they have a foster child. So so you're switching families, too? Yeah, like, you're switching each family. Like, you're going to move from this one to this one and this one and that one. So it's, like, really weird. Did you move collectively with your brothers? No. They were in one and I was in another. So how do you maintain contact with them as a We didn't until, person. like, I got, like, 
out because I when I got out of foster care it was because my grandmother got me or when I had like weekend visits sometimes they'd come like over to her house because I had like the weekends where I can go like home and how did you find your foster parents each time to be were they all like welcoming were none of them welcoming it was just very different yeah it's different that's the only word I can use to describe it. It's like something I don't think no kid should go to. Like, cause you, like I said, those people aren't literally always there for the well-being of a child. Like, so I feel like I don't like the shit. I wouldn't let my. So I don't want children until like I'm substantially ready. Cause I feel like it's a lot to deal with. Yeah. And if this is the type of shit that goes on in the world, if you don't take care of your child properly, fuck that. I don't want nothing. I feel like that's some fucking selfish shit to do. Have a kid and let them, you know, teeter here and there with random people like cause you don't know who the what the fuck somebody's into with a kid like you know you end up going to hayward where the and it's i'm sure very different from where you were coming from only because the only thing i know is that it's an urban campus and that it is uh the the mascot was a farmer <laughs> see this and is so the I thing about like, hayward high so oakland is the hood you know that's gangster ghetto hayward is like the wannabe suburban where people who don't want to be ghetto no more move and try to raise their kids so it's like you get a mix of the you know, white kids, and you got, like, Mexicans, Samoans, and then you got the niggas still there because it's, like, your mom and their moms went to school together, whatever the case may be, but they moved here to try to have a better life for their children. So it was never, like, nothing too much off. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, you just had the integration there. That's the only difference, like, versus going to school in Oakland. Like, 80% of the class is black. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a difference. That's the only difference. Is now it's integrated, but you still have those niggas, and we all go link up because we <laughs> niggas. That's what we do. So yeah. when your grandma took you in, that was it you stayed with her no it was like i said it was like really like crazy how i grew up because it's like like when she got me out because you know i went to foster care because my mom was abusive so she got me out and she was very very abusive towards me too like very your grandma was yeah and physically and then when i got to like high school it was like i reached my boiling point like i don't care anymore and we had like a big fight and i ended up like leaving she was like get the fuck out my house and i was like gladly type shit and I, like, slept in the park, and then my mom's boyfriend at that time, like, I, I like, rode the bus to her house because she was living in Hayward. That's how I was going to school over there. So I rode the bus to her house, and I was just like, you know, I'm tired of this. These people keep doing this to me, and da, da, da. And he was like, you know what? I told your mom to get you out of there a long time ago that you are her only daughter. She needs to raise her daughter. He's like, you're not going back over there. So I ended up back with her. And it just wasn't a lovely experience because at that point, it's like you have, like, a mature adult who's set in their ways and you want them to be a certain type of way and i'm like you can't alter my personality if you wanted to do that you should have been in my life you know and it was just like a big thing that we went back and forth with for a long time even still today like our relationship is kind of bumpy because of that because it's like you can't alter who i am so how often do you see your mom these days i mean days? we're we're better because i feel like it's space now so it's like it's easier because i just kind of deal with you when i kind of you know does she understand what her abuse meant overall or that she even did it? I think she understands, but she doesn't accept her role in it. Like, she's kind of in denial about it because she kind of, like, plays the victim. Like, you don't know what I've been through. And it's like, I don't give a shit. You put me through something. You should have tried to stop the cycle with me. Like, that's how I feel about it. So it's like, we kind of do it like this every time we talk about it. So I don't bring it up. I just learn to love and accept her for who she is and deal with her and increment how I want to. So who put you on to, like, all these 90s musical influences? Just growing up. Yeah, but, I mean, like, you know, you also... You know, you're in the car with your parents. They're going to listen to certain music, so you're going to take in what you like. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like the ones that I took to the most were the ones that, you know, were true to me, I guess. Like, the TLCs and shit. Like, I was like that. Because I have all brothers. Like, I just, you know, I'm a tomboy. I'm, like, the only girl with a bunch of brothers, so it makes you, like, 
rough around the edges. Yeah, but does that mean your brothers were listening to TLC? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like to they're escape, not those type of guys. Yeah. <laughs> they're not those type of guys who want who's too good to listen. Right. <laughs> like they listen. They only listen to Too Short. That's right. Right. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. My brothers were like weirdos. Like, <laughs> they were like the skateboarding, backpacking black kids. Like you would never think they were like that because now they're like hella different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, but like, no, they were like Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, skateboarder type of kids. Wait, those are like three different types. I know of that's kids. a type. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's like you know you, like you the, the most... typical black kid. You think they're like one way. Like no, my brothers are like into all the shit. Like the picking up the bug off the ground eating type of people. Like they oh, I, I I don't know that type. Yeah, <laughs> they were really weird. Like they they used to like burn ants with like magnified glasses and that, pick them okay, up. And that that I get. Yeah, yeah, you're fucking sick. Like it was like they were weirdos like that. Like, but now your brothers were sort of like ahead of their time because insects are becoming like this thing that's like sort of fancy. right. It's the new food. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it burns. Eat it. It's hot on your tongue. Like, I don't think I want to eat it. <laughs> no, thank you. So you didn't follow your brothers into skateboarding, Backstreet Boys, in sync, that whole No, rap. I liked the, the music side, but as far as, like, skateboarding and shit like that, no, that wasn't my Not thing. at all. Did you have a scraper bike? No. Did you get your driver's license? Yeah, when I was 16. My right. My mom's boyfriend at the time told me how to drive. Taught you how to drive. He Did told me a lot of things. Like, I'm like, damn, you did more shit than me for my daddy. Damn, daddy. <laughs> Is he still a part of your life? Because okay. they kind of like broke up, but I always I call him my dad because I feel like he did so much for me. So, you know, it varies when we talk. But for the most part, like he taught me a lot of things. And he always told me, like, before I die, I'm going to make sure you never need a man for nothing. Like, that was his biggest thing. Like, I don't want you to ever depend on a man for nothing. That's pretty great. I mean, except you're depending on these two guys to ask you good questions. <laughs> Decent questions. Yeah. About scraper bikes. Yeah. <laughs> I read that, that at nine years old, that's when you really started to get into music. Yeah, it was like a... The Bow Wow, What's My Name videos, like, it made me want to rap. Like, ooh, he's a kid. I'm a kid. He's doing it. I want to do it. And I Same. Like, <laughs> kind of start writing it. And it just worked for When me. did you, like, start recording that? 11. 11? Yeah. Where? Where were you recording? It was this guy, like, in my neighborhood who had a studio in his house. And he just, like. So you're 11 years old and you knock on the door and you're like, No, so... what happened was it was a Boys and Girls Club talent show. And he figured out, like, oh, she can, like, spit. Like, she has something huh. there, you know? He was like, he talked to my grandmother about it. He's like, yo, I have this studio, and I think she's dope. I think you should bring her around. Because he had a son, too. He was, like, a little younger than me mm. that he uh, had doing music with. And he was like, yeah, I think it would be dope if you let her come through. And, you know, I stopped going over there once I became a high school kid because it's like he wanted me to rap about certain stuff. And back at that time, I wanted to be something different because the music was, like, hyphy. Yeah. So I'm not doing this shit. It's corny. <laughs> I want to do this. So it's like, like this. And I ended up at Youth Uprising in Oakland where I kind of, like, Got to indulge in all those things. When we when we did sketches back in the day, every mm-hmm. week we had a series that we would do every every so often called right. "Failed Ideas in Hip Hop," right? Yeah. And they were just funny ideas that we couldn't stretch into a three minute sketch. Mm-hmm. They were just like short little things. Like, do you remember any of them? Uh, we had one that was bringing back New York rap, and it was us just chanting that. Yeah, there uh, <laughs> there were just a bunch that we put together, but one of them there were all these funny ideas, and then we were just like, "Hyphy, hyphy yeah. is yeah. A, is a failed idea in hip hop." <laughs> I don't think so, though. I think, like, with the Bay Area origin, a lot of people take from it and put their own spin on it. Because Hyphy is still kind of here. Still? Yeah. On the radio? But it, but like, it's so, even like, localized, with, like, though. You know, it's just not caught that. Like, you right. know, when Waka Flocka came out with, oh, let's do it, the dread shaking in it. You know, that's Oakland. Because a lot of people from the Bay Area moved to Atlanta. Like, I see the influences. That's Oakland. Like, but you don't call it Hyphy. You just call it Crunk. 
Same shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You just put your own twist on it. You'll never get the whole impact of it because it's not the original essence. Right. Like, when you go to the Bay, it's going to always be like, I like this shit. It's a little different than that, but it's the same thing. What was the movie about crumping? Crunk? Like, you know what they, they call no, it? Crunk. No, I know crunk, but, like, crumping. That was like, the that was, that um, LA thing. It was, was Rise. Rise. R-I-Z-E, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Never saw it. I mean, I definitely... Never saw it. It was a good movie. <laughs> It was a great movie. Was it a good movie? Yeah, it was about this guy, Tommy the Clown from LA. Like, he just took a bunch of kids and right. had this dance shit. I thought it was dope when I saw it. That's cool. Yeah. I danced. I actually That's used to it. be a dancer. Really? Is there turf dancers in Oakland? Like, Mm-mm. you never heard of turf dancing? Mm-mm. I used to be a dancer. Like, they, most of the turf dancers now, they're like, oh, it's in like E40 videos and stuff right. like that. Or Chris Brown, certain people use them. But I was a turfer. Really? Yeah, it was like. Right before I started, like, taking my rap serious, serious. It's like, either I'm going to play basketball, rap, or do this shit. Huh. I'm like, I want to rap. Fuck this. <laughs> so I quit it. Did your dance crew have a name? Who, me? Yeah, yeah. I was in the Turf Fiends. Like, I was oh. in the Turf Fiends. That's, like, one big one. Mm-hmm. And there's another one called the Animaniacs. I didn't really like that one because it's, like, they had me, like, on a junior Animaniacs, which was a GoBots. So I was like, I'm not a fucking GoBot. The GoBots. I was at school dancing one day, and one of the guys named Gary, he was, like, a Turf Fiend. He was like, yo, you dance? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I think you should come to my uh, team's practice. And I went, and he's like, no, we want, we want you to dance with us. So I started kind of, like, battling for a while. Then. Huh. I didn't like it. Oh, okay. I still don't understand it. Like, Thanks, the battle. It's like, how do you make money doing this? So, you know? And it was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this. I'm just going to do my rap <laughs> so shit. So, wait, is it like you got served or is it more like America's Best Dance Crew or? It's kind of like ABDC, but like one-on-one type shit. Mm-hmm. Or the two-on-twos. So, it's not like all the way, like, every motherfucker just hatching it <laughs> out. Like, it's like strategically set up battle. So, it'd be like, Kamaya versus Missing Legs or some shit. <laughs> And then, that sounds like Mortal Kombat. Exactly. <laughs> like, my name was Miss Smooth because I was like a smooth ass mm, dancer. So, okay. I, I was Miss Smooth versus whoever the case may be, and then we'll battle. And did Miss Smooth ever lose? I feel like with the Bay Area, it's like more of a crowd thing. And at that time, like, the Animaniacs like, had the Bay Area in fucking lock. Like, mm. it's like this guy named Zeus, and they just, you know, they, the crowd goes off of what they love. And yeah. I feel like they're like kind of like the Les Twins. Like, mm-hmm. you know who they are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Les Twins learned from these two guys from the Bay Area named Chunky and E-Ninja. Okay. They were like good-ass two-on-two dancers. So they kind of used to come. Like, before they were Beyonce dancing and shit, like, they used to go to Keep Up Rising in Oakland and, like, be up there and shit. Like, Crazy. So it's like a little, like I said, like, a lot of people come to the Bay and get shit. You just don't know because it'll never be mentioned. Yeah. But we influence a lot of shit. It's just like, it's just not known mainstream. I mean, I know Carlo Rossi uh, wine. <laughs> E40. Yep. Yeah. The whistles on the on the back of the car. The car yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hated that shit. <laughs> That's like the most ghetto <laughs> historical Oakland shit ever. It came, became a thing where people like took the tops off their pants and used to like walk around the hallways. Just sh- 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 it was just like crazy. Like this shit is ghetto. Like it was crazy. That was a big ass thing back then when it yeah. was a hyphy movement. It was crazy. Yeah, what was your favorite? Uh, uh, Ghost Riding the Whip? Come no, on. no, 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 no. Oh. Obviously, but oh, what was your favorite, favorite line? Oh, um, Jesus Christ had drapes to shake him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I ain't got none, but I'm planning on growing some. I knew he was going to say that. Yeah. Yo, when that shit came out, I felt like we was on top of the world. You know, my eighth grade class wanted to graduate to that shit and they wouldn't let us. They made us graduate to Guapa Lake closer to my dreams. We was pissed. <laughs> like, we want to graduate to Temple. We go, we leaving this. We, we going. Let us go. Let's go stupid about They're like, you guys are not doing that shit. Made us do closer to my dreams. I wanted terrible. my um, prom song to be uh, Trick Daddy's um, I'm a Thug. Mm-hmm. That was good shit. Be hard. But then my class instead chose Madonna. Mm. Um, what was that one? It was like, it was one of her like very slow ballads and it's like <laughs> I'll remember or something and I was just like well that's very on the nose for my high school. My class. friends and I tried to get the the class hangout because you know we, the, 
they're like, oh, it's going to be like a bar or like some mm-hmm. spot or whatever. And we're like, oh, we want to make it the Christian reading room. Like, <laughs> really tried hard to get that to happen, but didn't happen. Yeah, the school committees yeah. be assholes. Did like, you, how you access what we want to do and then be like, no, you can't do it. What the <laughs> fuck you access for? <laughs> did, you, did you win any um, superlative in the yearbook? In eighth grade, like, I was, like, the rap chick because we had rap battles. So I won, like, it was, like, battles all through the year. And then I won, like, the crown. And, the like, even if you go to the school now, it's, like, a case with, like, my name in it as the rap queen. Type. Really? So a lot of people, parents, like, when they be, like, hearing me on the radio, like, ain't that the, the rap girl from y'all school? <laughs> <laughs> I remember her name. Like, because I say it's Kamai. So they remember, yeah. like, oh, shit, it's the little girl that was rapping. Like, that's crazy. She really, like, became a rapper. That's so so you weren't, like, baby back then? No, back when I was in high school, I mean, um, middle school, it was just like, you knew me about Kamaya, because I'm yeah. Kamaya. <laughs> How did you fucking know that? Listen, I do my research. Also, you don't say it in interviews. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's your ever. own fault. <laughs> I don't know who that is. She never existed. Now, meanwhile, if you ever, like, tore up in Vancouver and you get that Narwar interview, you know he's going to pull something like that See, out. See, this is what I prepared for, so what you guys don't know, it was a lot more shit on the internet. He'll tell you I made it private so you couldn't see it. <laughs> Because I know y'all like to dig. You know, I discussed it with my friends. Like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I don't want this to represent my career, my brand. It's yeah. gone. No. I, it's not deleted, but I made it private on that channel. So yeah. the ones that stepped up there is the ones that they kind of like fought to the end. Like, you know what? Fuck it. You can have these two. Whatever. Yeah. Now, the only situation when we're going to dig up like embarrassing stuff is if someone has a roast. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we, we, we go in on roast. One of our one of our friends, Kaz, um, who runs this site called The Stashed. Mm-hmm. At 26, so you have a couple years, he was like, I want to have a roast for my birthday. I don't want to do a dinner. I don't want to do, like, the get-together. I want to have people come and roast me. And he oh, asked shit. us to do it, and we went went in there guns blazing. Like, like literally. Anyone like, yeah. could have gotten it, and they did. Like, ruined <laughs> friendships over this yeah. thing. It oh, was, my God. Yeah. But, but, like, he had stuff, like, deep on his MySpace page. We're like, why is this still on here? Like, mm-hmm. cat, like cashed on online. And just went deep into finding the most embarrassing stuff. That's the only time. We're not coming on here to be like... So this is when you you know, you know use higher power and sources and you get shit yanked off the internet. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at with it. Because it's like some shit I'm like, yo, this shit has got to go. Yeah. Get this shit off now. Before they find it. Because I just don't want... Because I see people like posting like, don't fucking do that. They don't know that. Like, you gonna fucking know. Oh, people are just like trying to do yeah, like throwback people Thursdays. people know me and they, they're posting. I'm like, what the fuck, yo? Don't do that shit. I'll be so mad like, this shit has got Got to go. Get this shit off the internet. You mark that as spam or whatever on there, like hella times. Send ten people. Y'all do it together. Get this shit off. Like it got to get yanked. So you know what's really funny is that you went to Double XL on I guess this trip, mm-hmm. and you stopped in there, and their big headline is that you're doing a song. You have a song with Drake coming out, right? Mm-hmm. It's I swear to God, we listen to your shit all the time, and I was like. It's only a matter of time until Drake reaches <laughs> Why, out. Everyone's standing on my Instagram. We knew this shit was going to happen. Yeah. well, it's But it's I like, kind of feel like he kind of like led them to believe because like, you know, Drake's been following me for a long time, but I'm not like one of those Instagrammy people who just like, ah, I'm popping. I got. Right. You don't know. So right. Right. He was liking things and people would be like, oh, Drake liked it. Six God likes. So I feel like it led them to know like, okay, it's something going on here. <laughs> like. She just hadn't said nothing. So when it, I, it got announced, they like, I knew it. No, I just thought from the vibes, like, I felt like this is something where, like, Drake can, like, fit in in a, mm-hmm. in a good scenario. One thing recently that I, like, failed at very badly was that, like, I watched Khaled snaps, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, for, like, three months, maybe four months, he gets L.A. Reid's book, L.A. Reid, who runs Epic Records. Mm-hmm. And he's, like. I know like, that is very well. What's that? I know who that is very yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he's, I'm saying for the people who don't know, like, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I but he's reading, him. like, his book for, like, months. And I was just like, Khaled's either, like, very slow at reading or, like, something's up. And then he signs like to Epic. Epic Records. And it's just like, oh. 
Stupid Me. Well, I interviewed him uh, probably like last year, and mm-hmm. he said his favorite book, the Quran. So maybe like L.A. Reid's book is the new Quran. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about Islam, so. No. Very intriguing. My whole family's Islamic. Really? really? Including you? No. I okay. don't believe in religion. So okay. It's not my thing. But, you know, my mom's very Islamic. My cousin actually passed away three years ago. And it was, like, my first time actually seeing, like, the burial. Crazy shit. Like, they mummify them. Like, they, like, wrap them up. And they, like, bless them. Like, you can't, you're not really supposed to see the body. Like, they just kind of, like, put them on, like, a little stretcher type thing. And just, like, shh in the ground like throw the nigga in the ground like my auntie was like very adamant like no this is my family my immediate family we need to see my son and it was like okay you can't touch him yeah. because in like in their religion they believe you have to be buried in like the first three days and you can't touch them because they can feel it or you can't cry because the spirit can feel it and it, crazy shit true story my cousin like she was like crying and shit and his like eyes started like twitching it was like some scary shit and i'm like Yo, they said don't be crying up in here. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? It was like crazy. She like ran outside, almost got hit by a bus and shit because it Holy scared cow. the fuck out of her. Like, she ran out of the magic. Like, fuck this. What the hell was that? Like, how does religion work for you when you're going from foster home to foster home? Like, are you just if yeah, someone's like, like, celebrating put on, Christmas, like values on you? But see, that's what I said. I don't put like when I was in school. Yeah. When I was with my mom, she made sure and she was adamant that we couldn't celebrate those things. Right. But some teachers would be like, no, fuck that. It's a kid. Let them like you know. Still make the gingerbread house because it's just an essence of Christmas. But for the most part, my mom, like, like Halloween and stuff, like, I didn't celebrate that. So now I kind of be mad when I see, like, she let my nieces and shit do it. Like, why do they get to do the shit? <laughs> Where do you get to, like, trick-or-treat and shit? Like, so your brothers never never took part in... None of us. In a, in a, I mean, Islam. we never did Christmas either, but we did read from <laughs> L.A. Reid's book. So That's I right. guess yeah. we are very yeah. religious. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I remember one Christmas, like, she tried to do Hanukkah. My brother was... That's another thing that was weird to me, right? She wouldn't let us celebrate it, but the nigga give us presents. So it's like... <laughs> Don't get it. Yeah, but, but she tried to that, switch though. it up and do Hanukkah, you know, you get like one present a day. My brother was like, I don't like this shit. Like, <laughs> it was like you get the little present instead of a bunch of stuff. So he was like, I don't like it. And then the last day, they give you like the big one. Yo, so we've gotten to a point now in our lives where we're all adults, right? So when mm-hmm. we see our mom, it's just like, we're going to celebrate like Hanukkah just one night. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of like Christmas, but right. like, you know. It's Jewish Christmas. Yeah, Jewish yeah. Christmas. Yeah, we have uh, Chinese food and uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we go see a movie. Yeah, but that's, like, and, and have Hanukkah. one night of presents. So wait, so wait, back to Double XL. You really, really want to get on the Double XL freshman list. But, I mean, I, not, I mean, not this not year. I'm not, like, really, like, my thing is... Not that you're I, thirsty. I'm, I'm saying that, you like... You know, I feel like if they... In my own personal opinion, I feel like if you don't do it this year, I'm not doing it next year because I'm going to be too big for this. Right. Like, so, it's, like, up to you. Either you going... Because I'm a businesswoman first, more than anything. So, I feel like I approach the situation like a businesswoman. Like, I called her. Like, hey, how you doing? Can I meet with you? And went up there myself. Like, it That's wasn't dope. a situation, like, where it's, like, people helped, you know, helped me do it. It was, like, one of those things. And... And I felt like, you know, in my mind, like, I tell my manager, like, yo, if they don't pick me, I'm not doing it. Like, you know, because I feel like it would be, I don't know what's the word to describe it. Like, it would just pretty much be dumb for me to go backwards. It would be like me backpedaling, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, agreed, yeah, agreed. Because I feel late. like the freshman cover is basically solidifying that you have a staple in this industry. Watch these people because they're going to blow. And I feel like this is my year where you need to watch me because I'm going to blow. So if you don't get me now. Right. It's how, and how funny is it that like so we've gone over the course of of let's say five or six years of them doing the the freshman cover you've gone from like where it, the lead time for like print makes sense to get like certain people on there yeah but and you know that's like yeah, but now everything moves so quickly right it's so just it's like, like I don't even think that Lil Yachty's gonna be on there and Lil Yachty like everybody was just talking about right. Like and but who like, knows if he'll be in here next year? And if and if Kamaya's project drops in in March and they're rolling out the the issue in like you know May or whatever, 
they can't move quick enough where yeah. it's like where it makes sense even though you're the hottest but out they right can. now it's like they do what they want to do because they usually like wild card it if they want you on there you're on there really like they literally told me yesterday like it's some people on there who have no impact you don't know who the fuck they are when they pick them like you know it's just literally up to them and then who they because they discuss it as a panel so whoever they go for Vanessa kind of rides with so like I said like in my opinion I feel like if you don't get me I'm just not well wait when did you have the conversation with them yesterday oh see but Jeff this morning was just like well like Kamai wants to get on there but I was Why? like, who? I was like, who really cares about the Double XL freshman list this, like anymore? Like I, you're you're popping without being on there. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know what my team saying, but I feel like I won't. It's like a thing for the city because I feel like no one's from Oakland been on there. Mm. So I feel like I want to do it for that part of it. But if they don't get me, I know in my mind like I'm not fucking coming back and doing it. Right. Is so Iggy Azalea not from Oakland? <laughs> <laughs> No Yo, comment. The, the look you just gave I though is so good. <laughs> How did you link up with YG in the first place? My manager right here. Right. We but the there's manager. no better story? <laughs> no, what really happened was literally like it was like a situation where like I think they played him on the record and then like I we did my first session in LA and he was like recording literally around the corner and they just took me over there and it was kinda like organic, like, oh what's up, I fuck with your shit. Like I like your shit too, nigga. And it was like, you know. <laughs> deal yeah type pool thing like nothing too serious was he your first like um industry like celebrity that you'd met or no no because i'm really close to too short so it's like mm. yeah that was like that how do you know too short just because you guys are both from oakland well i um like i said i used to go to youth uprising that's one way i know him and my best friend's fathers like are like his like bodyguards and shit. really so he's like he's around all of us like, so he knew of you like early before. he knew this when i was like way before Kabai like when I was my other person like he didn't knew me <laughs> my other person <laughs> I won't say the name the other person, yeah. so when you finally linked up with YG what did that mean to you ironically I don't take this stuff like serious like others like I just feel like people are people it's about how you treat me and stuff mm -hmm. so I feel like yeah it's a business but at the end of the day it's like who are you as an individual if I vibe with you I vibe with you so with me and him I just feel like it's like a genuine friendship, brother and sister type situation. So it's not no big thing for us to do a record. It just kind of happens that mm -hmm. he's a big ass artist in the game. Like, right, you know? right. No, I think that we feel the same way. I, I think that Eric was asking more like the value of a cosign, mm -hmm. like somebody who's just like because with John Legend, like you know he's a cool guy, mm -hmm. but like him being able to open those doors, that's when it's like oh shit, yeah. I can do that. Right. And see, I'm big on not wanting a male cosignment, so that's why if you look on my album, it's no features. Yeah, he's the only feature, and that just happened like by chance because we was in there drunk and just did some shit, yeah. swapped some shit. He gave me one song, I gave him another record, and it ended up coming on my project. Like that's, that's literally great. how it happened. You have a song that's produced by Pilo. Yeah, and we, we just, just saw, saw him, him at SOBs. Yeah. Oh really? Um, yeah, opening for Skizzy Mars. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Yeah. yeah and yeah. yo, yeah. he was killing on there. And then we saw stuff from Philly, their last show on that tour, and and he was killing there too. Mm -hmm. Like how how long have you known him? I literally like just met the guy like, <laughs> he's like one of the first people who was like going hard for my record like literally and then he was just like talk to my other manager friends so I like yo I gotta give her a record I need to be on this project and he sent me like a couple and you know his record kinda was the last record literally on my project besides the For My Dog record mm -hmm. those are the last two songs I recorded and I wanted to do a song with all my my homies so it's like damn what y'all think about this? Because some people was giving me other shit. They're like, no. Nah. <laughs> and then Francois came in like on the last day, like, yo, y'all like this? And they're like, this shit, slap. Let's do this one. So we ended up doing his record. Yo, Francois gets so much burn on Twitter from you, like being like the best manager. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's like, B-more's right here. I know, yeah, really. This is just... <laughs> no, B-more knows, like, he's my... He's like the go-to businessman friend. So I was like the one. We like, nigga, why do you do that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he does some shit that's like, uh He's like, I tell people all the time, he's like my fucking big kid. Yeah. He's like, yeah. even when he comes to my house, it's like, fuck. The house got shit all over the counter now. It's just... Francois shit like you just know France fucking here like, <laughs> fuck that's what managers do they yes. leave a mess yeah yes he's just fucking crazy I thought they're supposed to clean up messes but you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um how did Puffy end up hearing your album we walked in the studio one day like literally I don't know if you guys know my friend has cancer or whatever so yeah we like flew all my friends to LA and we were like going to the session and then like while we we're getting ready because YG was finishing up his album we getting ready to walk through the back door because for some reason they wanted to go through the back door that day and it was like, oh, yo, before you walk in, Puffy in here. Huh. I'm like, oh, okay. And we walk in and he's in there. So it was like one of those things we just was there. I was like, oh, shit, you're here. How was he? Was he cool? Yeah, was, was he cool. intense? Nah, because you know what? Like I said, I treat people like they're people so I don't of go off of no. your Puffy so it's just like a nigga in the room to me. Like, I mean. But like, there's, <laughs> I feel like like when we met 50 Cent, he's intense. Like, he, but I like, said like, it's the, it's the aura they get from you, how they treat you because like I told this is 50 a minute ago. 50 Cent was hella sweet to me and nice. Yeah. And I met him in the club. He was a nice guy. That's cool. Yeah. But Ironically, I met him in the club. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was it your birthday? I was just going to ask, yeah. No, it was actually an event YG had that he went to with him. And hmm. he was in there. He was a nice guy. But yeah, no, Puffy was chill. He was like, congratulations on everything you're doing type thing. And then YG kind of like start creating my records. You know, Puff has to meet the band face, so he never shows you. He has, <laughs> you know the poker face, so he doesn't show you that he likes it or not. But his man, yo. D-Rock Low, when they stopped playing music, he was like, yo. <laughs> like, literally, like, he was standing like, and I was like, yo, they like this shit. Because, you know, if he over here, and you know New York people are tough motherfuckers. He got, so yeah, he's you know standing us. like, he like a hood dude. He's like, yo, that shit. And I'm like, okay, he liked it. Yeah. Puffy just not going to say he likes it. Yo. He got making the band face. You yeah. know that face, like when they play the music, he like. Yeah. <laughs> but he not saying nothing, and then he gives his opinion way later. Like right. he got that face, like. <laughs> okay. Okay, so when you're in the studio, you take everybody just at face value, whatever. Mm-hmm. When you're playing your music for someone like him, do you watch him and how he's reacting? Mm-mm. Really? So you're just like cool, and you're on your phone or whatever, and that's what I do. You watch people. I watch people. Like yeah, I, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, They're there. Yeah. Because I don't want to be the overzealous artist that's just, like, trying to sell it. Like, yo, how does it feel standing all on some shit? Like, I don't want to do so that. Any, See, any I do the Bobby Schmurter thing, and I dance on the table. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. craziest shit I ever... When I say, I'm like, what the fuck kind of... I know, in the label, you can tell I'm like, okay, <laughs> what the fuck did we just sign? <laughs> Jeff was also telling me today that you were in the Down in the DM video. Yeah, I was. What was that like? Another situation where YG just, we hanging out, and he's like, no, come on, you in here. I'm like, no, I was uncomfortable, because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, what are you, just sit, come on, just come on. So I'm just like, if you notice, I'm just on the side, like. <laughs> yeah, they separated While Ray you guys. like, all on the table, yeah. with, like, the money. Like, they just all into it, and I'm just like, hey, hey, it goes down in the. Because <laughs> I was like, what in the hell? It was just, like, crazy in there. Like, yeah. What the hell did I just get through into? I'm so happy for Gotti, though. He's just such a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that record has just transformed him. It's My favorite thing about Gotti is that when when people are talking to him, he doesn't, like, even, like, make eye contact. Mm-hmm. All he'll do is he'll sort of, like, soft dab to himself <laughs> while, like, bopping in place. I'm just like, that's the coolest thing ever. Just, like, zone people out and just bop to yourself. I didn't know he yourself. was that damn small. He's, he's so he's small. He's really short. Like, because, like, like, I thought he was, like, tall. 
crawl and like when I see him, I'm like, like, <laughs> like what the? Put fuck? him in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was like crazy. Like what the hell? It's crazy because I thought Fifty Cent was shorter. And I thought he was bigger, so it was just like, yeah. all right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just have, you like, have no, no, idea. no depth the perception or anything. The camera angles are so yeah. deceiving. That's right. <laughs> Everybody's 5'9". <laughs> I don't even think Gotti is that tall. No, no he's, he's like not five, much shorter. Six, he's a short yeah. guy. Seven. Yeah. It was a did, little... you, did you meet Khaled that day? No, they were there earlier. Mm. So I didn't meet him. I met, you know, Ray Schremer and uh, the people who were there on the, the like, because la- the scene we were in, like, literally was, like, the last scene. Right. So. Ray Schremer also short, right? Very. Yeah. Yeah. Very small. I didn't, that's how I noticed and like a lot of people are like I'm like am I a big bitch or just <laughs> people fun size mm-hmm. yo the craziest show experience I've ever had I think was seeing Ray Schremmerd perform and um, I think Jimmy like slid into a speaker and like broke like, his yeah, leg broke his leg yeah or like things at, broke through his leg it at, was like at Governor's yeah. Ball last year yeah, yeah. it's fucking and, crazy and so like <laughs> then um, what's the other one's name uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Sway yeah Sway and so, like, he's in the back, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> he's like, nobody look, but this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. He's like, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> and then he's like, we're going to start the show, like, in a little bit. But, like, my man back there, and it's just like, yo. And every, like, yeah, there's, like, thousands of people just, like, standing watching this. Oh, uh. my goodness. Yeah. The craziest thing happened to me, right? Kaylani's doing her Christmas show. And then I'm, like, sick. I didn't want to do it. She's like, no, you got to come. You're coming. I'm like, fuck, shit. So I'm sick. I'm on the side of the stage. And Francois is like, whatever you do, if you fuck up, just keep going. I feel like he jinxed me. So I go up, and I'm like, oh, and I'm jumping up. Trip over to speak almost for that. I, like, spin around it like a dance move. Kept going. Like, so that's, like, the craziest thing that's happened to me so far. Like, it's like, oh, shit. Is that on video? I don't think so. Okay. Is Gardwork going to find it? I know. You should say that you just, like. <laughs> no, it's definitely not on video. But tell that B-more somebody to get that did, offline. like, get, like. A clip because they like tweeted it not too long ago, like, oh, epic rare footage, Kamaya, Kaylani's Christmas concert. I'm like, oh shit, where'd you find this? But, <laughs> yeah, I literally almost bust my ass so hard. Like, uh. it was crazy. Like, so we heard that labels were reaching out, and I just want to know, like, what was the, 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 what, what was that process like? It was like the actual meetings with them. Very interesting. Like, because I feel like everyone's going to sell you their pitch, like, they're trying to get you to come over there but it's literally about you being a business person and deciding what's the best fit for you and i know for like a lot of artists don't know because they they more blinded by the financial side versus the business and i'm like big on not being driven by money mm-hmm. right it has to make sense for me so. right you haven't toured extensively no and the greatest thing is that your buzz is so hot that no one can say anything they're just like you're like here's what here's who I am here's what I have and take it or leave it mm-hmm. because I'm sure of myself and I can go wherever I want to go. Kind of sorta. Yeah, exactly. What I'm That's doing. pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So you went down to you went down to South by, mm-hmm. and a what was that experience like? And amazing. Because I just feel like you know my friend's sick, so I feel like that was our last experience like all together. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's gonna always be like a great memory, and I feel like as far as the experience of South by in general was just like a different experience that you know you never forget sure uh, just on that subject by the way for my dog is an amazing song thank you okay so you go down to South by were you like shocked we haven't been to South by mm-hmm. were you shocked at how many people are, are down there and performing and trying to get business done and just existing down there you know what when we first got there I thought South by was like some big ass cornfield type 
they make the stages in dirt with tumbleweeds type no, shit. No, you're thinking of the Hayward Farmers. <laughs> Shut up. But, like, when I saw it, I'm like, yo, this shit ain't, like, in the middle of nowhere. They're like, no, nah, it's actually venues. I'm like, why would people... Because, you know, we talk to people, they're like, yo, your shoe's going to be messed up. You're going to... I'm like, well, what's going on down there? Like, so when I got there, I'm like, it's actually venues you can drive to. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I didn't get it. Like, it was just so overly hyped, like, why people, like... That's why I'm like, it's just what you make of it and what you take from it. Because mm-hmm. they made it seem like it was going to be something totally different. And you performed how many times down there? I think four or five. Because what happened was my leg was really messed up when I was at South by. Like, like on some like Jimmy from yeah, Ray Schremer. I wasn't yeah. broke, but it was just like I had like, I don't know what it was. Like probably tendonitis or something mm-hmm. in my knee. So I was like really like not gung-ho on doing a lot of shows. But we had a lot of offers. But I did like Fader Ford, Pitchfork, ICM. House of Vans and Kaylani brung me out at her show. That's dope. Yeah, just like some light work, yeah. you know, just like, you know, six major shows. <laughs> I did those. Those are the ones I chose. But SOBs and a lot of other people reached out. I just didn't, you know, I was like, mm, no, well, my leg. Mm-hmm. And then he'll tell you, too, like, when I get in diva mode, I just don't fuck with nobody. Like, I close my door and lock it in. Like, yeah. And they be like, yeah, she's not coming out. So it was like one of those things that's out by, like, once my door closed, I'm like, yeah, we're not going anywhere. She's not coming out of there. I feel like we have that in common, by the way. Like you, I, I read somewhere that you said that you're like an indoor girl. Like you don't like going mm-hmm. to like clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. What you, that you don't or do? No, I don't. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I we're like, indoor it's boys. It's like my moments when I like kind of want to like, oh, all right, let's go turn up. But for the most part, mm, I go to sleep so fast. <laughs> like it was crazy. Like I had never been in Vegas, and it was like us and YG. We were in Vegas, like my first time. And YG's like, yeah, we finna turn up. We gonna go out. We finna do this. We going up. This your first time out here. You're like, yeah, you ready? I'm like, yeah, nah, I'm going to sleep. You're like what? <laughs> You going to sleep your first time? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sleep. I look on Instagram the next day. They all on shade room dancing and shit. Like, they just had a great time last night. I'm like, yeah, I was sleep through all that shit. I was like, no, I'm tired. <laughs> Did you go to the um, the YG, Yo Gotti, and Jeezy shoot out in, in the Bay? No, actually, I didn't. Were you not invited? No, I just didn't go. Oh, okay. actually, I know. <laughs> no, I mean, this is before we even knew each other. But Francois and him are good friends with, like, my... um. Play brother's uncle, so his friend is a rapper. His name's Vale. He's from Oakland or whatever. So he's cool with like YG. So that wasn't a situation where we couldn't go. We just didn't want to go. Yeah. Cause you know I'm kind of like, like I said, a homebody. Like I don't like to be like everywhere, all in the midst of everything. So it's like one of those things. I was like, yeah, I don't think that's a good look for me, so I'm not gonna go. So I didn't go. What was the well, yeah. What was the what was the first thing that really hit for you that like gave people an idea that there could be something big in your music? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know when the tide changed? like. No, but I knew like immediately when I decided, because you know I was in a group. So called. when I decided to call what it was, and <laughs> <laughs> when I uh, decided to go solo, I just knew like I had to make it like an impactful situation. So everything was strategically planned. Like none of this is happening by chance. It's like, no, like I said, at the end of the day, I'm always a businesswoman. I strategically plan and think ahead of time. So with that, I knew like, I wanted to drop out the bottle first because I'm like, okay, this isn't like going to be probably the biggest record, but it's going to get your attention. And that's what I wanted. And that's why I made How Does It Feel to Follow because I know that one was going to be the one that's like going to be like, oh, shit, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And I feel like that's literally what happened because at first you're like, yeah, I don't know. Then How Does It Feel? You're like, hold on, wait. What? What? <laughs> who is this? And that's what it became. Like, a, who the fuck is this girl? How can people thing? say who is this when you say your name? Literally. Yeah. But, but like, see, a lot of people don't know that name. 
Okay. So it was like a switch. I know like, so even many people, Kamayas, <laughs> but they should all retire. But I'm just saying, like, you know, a lot of people didn't know my real name. Like, even like Mr. Fab, he was like, yo, I didn't know who it was because he's like, you know, <laughs> it was like, I knew you from that name. So it was like, oh, shit. Like, that's crazy. She changed her name, she changed her hair. She changed everything. Like, it was like crazy to them. Hmm. They're like, oh, shit, she's not playing. Like, this is crazy. Um, What was it like leaving your group, by the way? Was well, that like a weird conversation? No, because we're still friends. You just didn't know like it was like people it was like one of those private things like we just decided like yeah we want to just do this so it wasn't like a public made situation it kind of was like integrated in and it just like happened so it was just like okay but you don't understand it because if you watch out the bottle everyone's in there so it's yeah. like you, you don't you it's like, maybe they're just doing solo music now. You know what I'm saying? Like, so they're like, maybe they're just trying something different. You didn't do some, like, Michael Strahan shit and just sort of, like, yeah, you disappear. know, leave. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, like, one of those things where we just, like, privately was like, you know what? This ain't gonna work. Maybe we should go about it this way. Strategic. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, everything's strategic with us. Like, we just... And we're not very big on, like, social media shit. So we always, like, have been, like... Because at the end of the day, me and my friends are, like, family. So it's like... If this is like your brother or sister, you never want to do something that's going to damage them or, you know, publicly shame them. So we just kind of did it pri- privately and then it worked. Until we leak it to Nardwar. And then... <laughs> Good luck. Don't make me make everything private now. I have access. <laughs> Are you like one of those people who, like us, reads a lot of like rap press or R&B press and like, you know, is always sort of, no? Just like sort of driven by what people are talking about? Shade room. Okay, but like you Ball are alert. aware of like <laughs> you are aware of like Fader and you are aware of Pitchfork like that yeah. meant something to you. But I'm not like big on social media shit because I feel like it it alters people's perceptions of individuals in their selves. So I tend not to like read comments or you know things like that. I just good shake and move because I feel like it, it bothers you because you know in the '90s and stuff you didn't have those problems because it was table talk. You didn't know how somebody personally felt about you. Right. But if you get on Instagram or something. A hundred thousand people are antagonizing you in your comments. Then you start to feel some type of way about yourself. So I'm big on not like reading those things. That's good. Yeah, there wasn't a great way to like buy followers in the '90s. <laughs> there wasn't a great way to like buy attention. That that's definitely true too. And it wasn't a great way to know people's perceptions. And like you know, nowadays a lot of people are like so unhappy with themselves. You give them a platform, they say whatever. Like the hit situation with Kaylani, I feel like it was just too much. Like you guys. Are picking on a kid like essentially she's still a child so I, yeah. didn't, I didn't agree with that you know what i'm saying i feel like that's the thing that i don't like social media for because the machine it, it can either help you or fuck you off like right. what if she really would have succeeded at you know what she attempted oh my god and yeah the whole world would have felt stupid because they were like you know criticizing her and antagonizing her and bullying right. the shit out of her for like fucking 24 hours straight uh, all because they can do it anonymously and then they still did it afterwards like you stupid bitch you should have just died like why, who says that? Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like That stuff is just not acceptable. And it's, that's why I don't deal with social media. It's nuts. I don't like it. There there are good parts of social media. I just feel like the, the way that you're able to reach people is easier. Mm-hmm. But as far as them having a voice in everything, it's just not okay. Oh, no. Eric means that you can, like, deliver a pizza to anybody in the world. <laughs> that's the greatest thing about social media. <laughs> We went to a, a Khaled thing like uh, this week. Um, he had like a pop up down at Stadium Goods in uh, on Howard Howard Street, forty seven Howard. Yeah, yeah. And like I saw like a bunch of pizza boxes like all being moved <laughs> towards the door, and I was just like, "Wow, real fans, fan power." Love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you on Snapchat? Not publicly. Okay, you okay. are, but you hate it. No, I don't post things. Like I just like like to look at people. Uh, you people. lurk. Yeah. Wow. That's my thing. I like to lurk. <laughs> I'm not like big on like posting because I don't like I like privacy. Like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like 
the biggest artists in the world have privacy. You know, you don't see Beyonce just all on Instagram and Snapchat all the time. So you want to get to the level like Michael Jackson where they would close down a supermarket and let you shop like, yeah. you know, Not you want to in the morning. Like I want to enjoy my life and my privacy so I don't have to let you indulge in what I don't want you to know. Mm. It's a choice and I feel like so many people want you because they want attention. I'm not an attention graver. Well, nice job giving up, giving up her, you know, old uh, AKA job. First of all, yeah. It should be said, it's your fault. <laughs> if you never said it, then I would never have known. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm big on that. Like, I feel like I, I should at least, because I feel like as an artist, you expose so much of yourself and vulnerability in your music. If I want a little bit of privacy within my personal life, allow me to have that privilege. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I literally practice that heavily. Like, mm-hmm. I don't post shit. Like, half the time, I post old shit on Instagram or just some random shit. I don't care about that. Like, Every day is a throwback Thursday. Yeah, I don't yeah. care about it. Like, people take it. I feel like you take it too serious. Like, this will make or break who you are, then you just don't live life the right way. Yeah. You care so much about this like. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mm-hmm. care about likes. I don't care about That's not my thing that I go off of. That's um, good. So this is the part of the interview where we um, we make our guest freestyle for a quick thousand bars. Just a just a just quick, a, quick just a thousand. thousand. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you're at this point, it seems like you're sort of at like the top of the roller coaster right now. Like things are super hot for you. Do you ha- like how much material do you have already recorded that you could just drop for a next project? A lot or a few songs or? I think I got like. Oh, cool amount of songs if I wanted to but I'm like like I said I think everything out and I feel like everything that I'm doing has to lead up to the album so some songs I recorded may be on the album so they're not going to be released no time so yeah. I notice on your project that you have zero features besides like YG, YG. and my friends right <laughs> but like in the case that your next project seems like it's going to hit really big and someone gives you like the opportunity to have a feature beyond beyond the drake thing whatever that ends up being do you feel like you would be more towards getting features like of people no. or you less yeah, yeah. Mm. i like to send by myself mm-hmm. i don't want to get like oh kamaya is big because of right you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so I like to move like to the beat of my own drum. I don't need the solidification from others for me to feel like I'm cool. And the same goes for uh, the producers you work with. Yeah, like those people are like literally like people that are handpicked and put into this situation. And who's your man who produced the majority of the project? CT Beach is like my guy that I've knew since I was like 16, and then during the last leg of it. Francois brought in the uh, honor roll kids. Who right. The last end of my project. But shout out to Francois. But with CT Beats, like you're just it. There, there's got to be my a sh- project was literally produced by four different people, but you can't tell. You can't because it, it has. Yeah, a, it feels. You, and that's why I feel like it that's does. what an artist should do. You bring out things in a producer that somebody else shouldn't, because creatively they should know your style. Right. Because you can't tell. Like I literally had four different people make different beats. Like Pilo did one. Right. Then Honoro did something. Then CT did something. And then another guy did more money, more problems. But it all sounds collectively like the same shit. It like, does. I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do as an artist is to bring out the best in you for me. And I did it. Yeah, you did. How much like of a hand do you have in producing the records? Everything. Some of them beats, I literally like I make it, but I don't play it. Oh, so you're like puffy in that regard. Kind of, sort of, like, because I'm telling you what to do because I can't play it. Right. But I'm like, you should, you know what I'm saying? And you get it, and until you get it, I'm going to sit there with you. So So when How's your making the band face? I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like really like hands on with everything because I feel like nah I want it to be perfect and perfected so I sit there with a producer like nah I want this 
I don't like that. You know, a lot of artists are scared to offend them. I don't give a fuck. You're doing something for me, and I'm doing something for you. Because at the end of the day, we're helping each other become successful. Right. So if I can't bring out something in you, or you can't bring out something to me, this ain't going to work. Yeah. So I, I'm going to get somebody else in this room. If you can't do what I'm telling you, because you shouldn't be afraid to take constructive criticism, neither should I. That's just how you're supposed do to Do people say things personally? No. That's good. No, I don't think so. For the most part, especially CT, because he gets it, because he feels like I bring out his best material. Like he tells me all the time, like, people are always jealous. Like, <laughs> You always give BMG the best beats, and it's like, no. <laughs> we just sit there and take the time to get our own thing versus you just going to him and he giving you his sound. You know what I'm saying? Like, you bring out your own thing in each producer. Mm-hmm. I feel like I do that. So what's immediately up next for you? The Fuck It Up video is probably coming the next soonest. The day That's next cool. Time. Yeah. And then whatever you're doing with Drake. Is <laughs> it done? <laughs> yeah, the whole situation is finished. It's just, you know... The rollout that's next, but it's right. definitely done. But you've heard it, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So you and you, do you want to tell him that it's good? It's amazing. You okay. know what? I feel like it's a good thing for the city because he makes a lot of references for Oakland. So it's like it's one of those things when the city comes like, "Fuck yeah, come on!" Yeah. You know, people love Drake, but for him to be like co-sign a lot of shit that we do, they're gonna be like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like it's gonna be one of the ones that Oakland just ride to. So yeah, like it's cool. He's talking about like the athletics. <laughs> he definitely. The Raiders. He said something crazy in there. He was like. I'm a star like Moesha nigga. I'm running up the numbers like Aisha nigga. I didn't catch it at first and I had to think about it. Like, Steph Corey, bitch. This nigga's tight. <laughs> yeah. This guy's fucking dope. Like, you know, he was saying a lot of stuff, but it, I didn't catch it at first. It's like, oh, shit, this guy's crazy. Nah. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. yeah. He's the best. So, oh, we didn't even talk about your new house. Yeah. Let's talk about it. What's up? It's pretty cool. You know, it's just a little townhouse in Marina Del Rey. So oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. We were we were in Marina Del Rey recently. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, here's my thing about Marina Del Rey. <laughs> to get very like LA for a second, it's so it's it's just it's way west, and if you're not living over there, no one's ever going to get to you. Yep. Yeah, you're ever. never going to see anybody. Yep. But you I, will have a boat. We were. In- but you know, ironically, Kaylani lives right around the corner from me. That's dope. Really? It's crazy. Like, I didn't know that. But I was telling a friend, like, I know she, because I had went to her house, like, a couple days before. I'm like, I know. Because I didn't want to live where I live at, actually. I had my mindset on a different place. But when I went over there, it was really, really racist. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to complain about every fucking thing. I don't give a fuck if it's me just dropping a rapper from gum. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not moving here. And then I, the Marina Day Rail place was just more chill. They had great security in the building. I was like, I think this is a better fit. And it was a townhouse. And, you know, they want to put a studio on the bottom level. So I'm like, maybe I should just get this house so they can put the studio and everything. And I'm comfortable. So I ended up moving there. And the day that I'm like, getting the money out the bank to like go back and get the place she like rides up on me in an uber like sup fool and i'm like who the fuck because i see the little mexican man driving so i'm like who the fuck and i look in the back like it's fucking k-line she's like yo i live like right around the corner you moving right here wait did like, she get did she get the mexican driver to say what up who to you no it was like her friend it was edward he was like yo some shit and i'm like who the fuck like, and i look like you stupid motherfuckers like what are you doing <laughs> See, you should have had her in a car that had a whistle on the back. That would have been <laughs> really? yeah. That's how you know that. It's, yeah, it's a friendly She's person. Down the block. Yeah. She's literally like the only other person I think that lives right there. So, um, do you know how she's doing these days? I was with her last night. She's oh. out here. She's out here? Yeah, we just had dinner last night. She's doing okay? Does she want to do the podcast? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is crazy. <laughs> you should let her know. Yeah. Call her up on this phone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's your carrier, by the way? Like uh, your, T-Mobile. It works on that phone? Yeah. Yeah, wait, Tim, can we see your phone? Do you have it? No, you don't yeah, have it. Yeah, it's in my backpack. Okay. You really do have, like, have a, a Zach brick Morris yeah. brick phone. What? This is, yo, this is so heavy. <laughs> 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 like, why? I, I get the aesthetic, but, yeah. like, as a as a person trying to move around a place. Also. <laughs> That's why I have a backpack. 
Also, what happens when you go go through like TSA? Are they just like, no, what's the what's the huge metallic thing in your bag? They don't even check my backpack. Like you know, it's, you know, they only check your bag like for certain stuff. Like say, like recently I was flying back to the bay because my friend got like sick and I was like trying right. to fly immediately and I had just got my hair done. So when I came back, because you know I drove back to LA. I left my shampoo and conditioner in my bag. So that's Damn. the type of shit they stop you for. It's like, really? Fucking shampoo? <laughs> Damn, take the shit. You can keep it. I'll buy some more, like, type thing. Like, so you haven't done the, what's the frequent, like, flyers uh, or yeah. pre, the pre-check? The pre-check, yeah. You haven't done that. Oh, that's up, That's upcoming. That's yeah. when you're like, that's when you really made it. When you do pre-check and you just roll through. Does YG have that? He's got it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I hate that. Like, it's like, fucking shampoo. What's that? Global entry. Global entry? Oh, we're learning all types of stuff oh, right now. Oh, man. Yeah. Yo, we are such suckers. Yeah. <laughs> Losers standing yeah. in line. <laughs> we are not going to do that anymore. Actually, you had like a weird TSA thing this trip, didn't you? Yo, that's the craziest shit that ever happened to me in my life. So um, me and Fran are like a SFF, uh, me, SFO, because we're flying like back to LA to get ready to come here. Yeah. So we like rushing. You know, I flew down uh, to the Bay really quick to see my friend because I like I literally flew in the Bay for like a couple hours, like you know, because I knew I was coming here for a long time. So I just wanted to talk to him before I left. Then we flew back because I knew I had to be out here like at seven in the morning. I had to be at the next flight. So we at the airport, and then it's like, yeah, excuse me, can you stop? <laughs> I'm like okay, she like okay, and she like pat my head because I had on my bonnet. Mm-hmm. She's like patting my head, then like she just pulls out the thing and she's like, boo, boo, like, <laughs> and she's scanning my fucking head. Then she like tests the damn bonnet for drugs. I'm like, yo, this shit is wild. I've never seen nothing like this in my life. Like, would you do this to an Islamic woman? Yo, I'm like, what are you doing? That's crazy. <laughs> you should been like, I read LA. Like, Reed's yeah, book. I'm just tucking yeah. bundles of drugs in my braids and my bonnet. Like, girl, yeah. cut it out. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Like what in the hell that was, and I had no bag, so it was just like crazy to me because I literally like just packed up and flew as I went. All I had was my backpack. So. That's it. Yeah, and it's like, what are you? If I was gonna smuggle some drugs, don't you think I would have a little bit more stuff to look not as noticeable? <laughs> like what the hell? You should have said that to them. I was just looking like, yo, this is some racist shit. I yeah. just wanted to say like, you know, you you should be ashamed. You should see that person when you fly back. By the way, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I don't want to <laughs> see that lady. That you know what you should have done? What? Shake them dreads. <laughs> Maya, thanks so much for coming through. I hope you have an easier flight back. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening to A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Please, go sign up on iTunes. Leave a nice comment for us. Go to soundcloud.com slash waste of time. Say hello over there. Please, go tell a friend about our podcast. Jeff, which friend do you want to tell? I want to tell two friends. Two? Yeah, I'm, I'm up in the ante this week. Oh, man. Go ahead. All right, so two people reached out to me on Snapchat this week, as people do. Yeah. One guy out of Boston okay, who was jealous that he was not shouted out last week. Bobby Brown's son-in-law. Bobby Brown's son-in-law. Shouts to him. His yeah. name? His name is Eddie Ray. Shout out to Eddie Ray. And he's got his own podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. What's it called? Okay, podcast name is Reviews from the 617. It's a play on Views from the 6. Reviews from the 617. He's from Boston. From the 617. Yeah. Shout out to Eddie Ray. Yeah. So the thing is, and I told him this, I don't really listen to podcasts. Okay. But I'm sure it's good. Oh, you promise? I, I don't promise, okay. but I'm sure it's good. Okay. I'm sure ours is good. Yes. That that you can be sure of. Yeah. And I also want to shout out um, So Proper. So underscore proper. Yeah. Just like it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Not just a clever name. Right. 
he hit us up. He hit us up, and he was like, "Excited." He was smoking to Kamaya on Snapchat, and I was like, "Oh, she's gonna be on the podcast." That's and cool. So, yeah. So shout out to him. Shout out to, shout him. Out to Eddie Ray and So Proper Guys. Go tell people about a waste of time with the real. I'd like to tell two friends as well. Shout out to Nur Ozdemar just wow. for being great in general. Yes, our our short Turkish friend. Yes, who was just on a plane back from Turkey last night. Short, beautiful Turkish friend, excuse me. And shout out to our friend Abigail Weintraub, who we had breakfast with this morning, who came through and listened and hung out while we recorded with Bafu. You know what's crazy? So we go to this restaurant called Good Enough to Eat. Okay. And it's like, yeah, of course it is. Like, like anything that's good enough to eat, you will eat, I guess. No, we have to have high standards. That's why people listen to A Waste of Time with the Real. Guys, we'll see you again next week.